This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. I'm Ana Maria Popescu with the news first, the headlines. Romanian farmers ask the government to extend the ban on Ukrainian grain imports. Austria's veto to Romania's Schengen accession is not targeted against Bucharest, the Minister for European Affairs Caroline Edstadler argues, and Romania's rugby team play their second 2023 World Cup match in France against defending champions South Africa. An alliance of Romanian farmers unhappy with the European Commission's decision not to extend the ban on grain imports from Ukraine asks the Romanian government to suspend imports of several Ukrainian agri-food products. The government, which has already promised subsidies for the diesel fuel used in farming works, announced that before taking further measures, it was waiting for Kyiv to make public on Monday a plan regarding efficient export control to prevent the disruption of the Romanian grain market. Depending on that plan, Bucharest will take adequate steps to support Romanian farmers. The European Commission decided not to extend its ban on Ukrainian grain imports in exchange for certain commitments from Kyiv. Poland, Slovakia and Hungary have introduced unilateral restrictions, while Bulgaria announced it did not want the embargo on Ukrainian grain imports extended. A new version of the special pension law comprising the amendments requested by the Constitutional Court will be endorsed by the end of September, said the Interim Chamber of Deputies Speaker Alfred Simonis. He added the law covers all categories of special pensions, but because the special benefits paid to magistrates and other categories cannot be scrapped, as it happened in the case of MPs, taxation will be introduced, which the court has accepted. Also, Simonis said, ceilings must be introduced for each particular profession so as to eliminate special pensions of 8,000 or even 14,000 euros a month. The Constitution Court last month sent back to Parliament the new draft pension law on grounds that pension benefits currently being paid cannot be readjusted to different principles than the ones in the law under which they have been granted. Austria's opposition to Romania's Schengen accession is not targeted against Bucharest, but against this freedom of movement system, said the Austrian minister for the EU, Caroline Edstadler. The statement comes after Bucharest warned it would sue Vienna over its veto to Romania's accession. 
Caroline Edstadler told the media she understood the position of Romanian authorities, but added that Austria cannot close its eyes to an already flawed system. She explained the European Union should ensure efficient protection of its external borders before envisioning a Europe without internal borders. In an interview to Austrian mass media, Romania's Prime Minister Marcel Jolaco said that in case of further opposition from Austria, Romania will have to take the matter to court and demand compensation for the losses incurred because it's a failure to join the Schengen area. NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg has warned that we must not expect a swift end to the war in Ukraine in an interview published on Sunday, as Kyiv carries on its counteroffensive against Russian forces, France Press reports. The war began in February 2022 when Russian troops invaded Ukraine. As for Ukraine's efforts to join NATO, Jens Stoltenberg promised that sooner or later Ukraine will be a NATO member. And we end with sports. Romania's national rugby team play their second World Cup match in Bordeaux, France, today against defending champions South Africa. A week ago, Romania lost to Ireland 82-8. Romania's rugby team is next to play against Scotland on September 30 and against Tonga on October the 8th in Lille. The 2023 Rugby World Cup ends on October the 28th. And that was the news. Dear friends, the Radio Romania Board of Administrators decided to temporarily suspend the use of two out of the five Radiocom shortwave transmitters that ensure the broadcast of Radio Romania International's programs because of budget cuts. The RRI programs in English are affected. All of them may be received on only one frequency instead of two as of August the 1st. The frequencies, as well as any other prospective changes operated by Radiocom for to reception monitoring and to your feedback on reception quality will be announced in our broadcasts on our webpage and on Facebook. We invite you to follow RRI's programs online at rri.ro, including On Demand, on SoundCloud, on Android and iOS apps, via TuneIn and via Satellite. You can find more details on our homepage. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn and Spotify. Coming up in this program from Radio Romania International, it's Sunday Studio, our special weekly show containing a selection of some of the best programs we aired over the past two weeks. This is Daniel Beal to the microphone. Stay tuned. The presence of Jews in the Romanian space is a very old one. They are attested sporadically as far back as the Roman conquest of Dacia. They become visible from the 14th century onward, when the oldest chancellery documents of the Romanian principalities date to. In the 19th century, when nationalism appeared and developed everywhere in the world, Zionism was also born 
with an important presence in Romania, where, according to the 1930 census, about 730,000 Jews lived, about 4% of the total population. But the appearance of fascism and anti-Semitism in Romania, a local manifestation of a European trend, made many Jews choose to go to Palestine, which was under a British mandate since the end of the First World War. Let's find out more on the presence of the Jewish population in the Romanian space from Kalin Kotsoyu. Each of those who left had a unique destiny. Each destiny is a story. In 1995, the Romanian Broadcasting Corporation Oral History Center interviewed Samuel Stein, and thus we learned his story while staying on the territory of Palestine, the choice for many Jewish people, and his subsequent return to Romania. Like any energetic young man, Stein adhered to radical life concepts and political views. He joined the communist youth out of conviction and was arrested for communist activity in 1935 and imprisoned in the Doltana Penitentiary until 1936. At the time of the interview, in 1995, he remembered characters we read about in history books today, such as the jurist and politician Wilhelm Fildermann, the leader of the Jewish community in Romania, and Yuliu Maniu, the famous president of the National Peasant Party. Eu nu aveam o părere prea bună despre Filderman, dar pentru faptul că el era cu liberalii... I didn't have a very good opinion of Filderman because he was with the liberals and the Jewish party of Transylvania, which also included Jews from Bukovina, Bessarabia, some from the Old Kingdom, were more connected to the National Peasant Party. Most of the Jews, especially from Transylvania and the Allied provinces, were on the side of the National Peasant Party. They were with the Jewish Party, which was also a Zionist party. I was not a Zionist. I was a communist. What turned us against Maniwo and the National Peasant Party was his pact with the Legionnaires, which greatly elevated the Legionnaires. Until then, they were vagabonds, scoundrels. That's how everyone knew them. And I'm not speaking as a Jew. I'm speaking as the Romanians saw them. Samuel Stein was a Jew fully integrated into Romanian society, as were the overwhelming majority of Jews who became Romanian citizens after 1918. <laughs> I had many Romanian friends, as I behaved in the army as well through my way of acting in order to get somewhere in the army. I was friends with everyone. Even a legionnaire came to me after a while to hide his homemade cakes because he was afraid that the others, his own comrades, would steal them. So he came to the Gidan Stein to help him, and I helped him. Many times we talked to, I talked to him about his legionary convictions, but he said he had no way out, that if he wanted to get out, they would kill him. In 1939, Stein made the decision to go to Palestine. Embarked in the port of Constanza together with 780 other Jews on a cattle transport ship, he was looking for a new homeland. 
in the Dodecanese archipelago not far from the island of Rhodes. The 780 Jewish passengers were evacuated due to a fire on board. Embarking on another ship sent by a Zionist organization, they finally arrived in Palestine. This is where Stein's second life begins. He joined the Communist Party, but his refusal to join the army caused the party to exclude him. He chose to work for a year in Kibbutz Ramat Rahel, near Jerusalem. There he worked as a stevedore at the Dead Sea, and then as a loader and unloader of trains in Jerusalem. The Romanian principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia were under Ottoman sovereignty for over 100 years from the start of the 18th century until 1877 and were therefore also influenced by Ottoman culture and civilization. This influence was most visible during the Fenariot rule that began in 1714 in Moldavia and in 1716 in Wallachia and ended in both countries in 1812. During this time, the two principalities were run by rulers chosen by the Ottoman Porte from among the Greek families from the Istanbul district of Fanar. If you want to find out more on the dress fashion in church paintings in Romania, stay tuned with our colleague Eugen Nasta. The orientalization introduced by the Fenariot rulers began to weaken, however, around 1806-1812, when, as a result of the Russian-Turkish war, the already westernized Moscow troops occupied the Romanian principalities. The salwas, both women's and men's, were replaced by dresses and trousers, respectively. The robes were replaced by riding coats and headscarves by hats. The adoption of the Western fashion did not go unchallenged and was not a smooth process being interrupted by the political and military upheavals at the start of the 19th century that saw the Romanian principalities vacillate between Russia and Austria and the Ottoman Empire, the latter retaining its sovereignty over these parts for a long time. The decisive moment came, however, with the signing of a treaty of the Adrianople in 1829, from that point onwards, the Oriental lifestyle would gradually but irreversibly be replaced by the Western lifestyle. Fashion was the first to embrace the new, something that can clearly be seen in the portraits of the aristocracy dating from that period. This was true not only of secular portraits, but also for the so-called votive frescoes found in churches. Those dating from the early 19th century show that many boyars, especially from the countryside, were faithful for a long time to the old dress code and oriental fashion. However, the founder's portraits found in churches also depict boyars who had embraced the western fashion. Usually depicted alongside their families, they are a testament to how the new and the old coexisted in the way they dressed at a time of changes and eclecticism. We asked historian Tudor Dinu, who has researched the founder's church paintings made during this time, to tell us his conclusions. I studied 141 founder's church paintings dating from this period, and they depict more than 1,100 figures dressed in the fashion of the day. Traditionalist boyars continued to wear robes and fur caps, 
while their young sons replaced these items with riding coats and top hats. Around 200 outfits dating from the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century can be found in the collection of Romanian museums, as well as around 200 easel portraits. I have identified 1,100 figures of church founders dressed either after the Turkish fashion or what they used to call the German fashion, by German meaning Western. The discovery of this as yet unexplored source has a significant contribution to our understanding of the fashion of the day. In his book entitled Fashion in Wallachia, between Fana, Vienna and Paris, 1800-1850, Tudordino has focused mainly on village churches founded by boyars in the first part of the 19th century in today's Gorj and Volcha counties, an area that was relatively prosperous at that time and more shielded from wars. The portraits in those churches indicate a continuation of dress traditions at a time of profound changes, as well as the transition to the new fashion, a transition marked by the coexistence of old and new elements. Historian Tudordino explains this eclecticism. Important boyars also had titles or were members of the princely council and held state positions, could not afford to give up, at least not in an official or semi-official setting, the oriental dress, which was a symbol of their social status. Even the headdress reflected their positions. The ruler, for example, would wear a fur cap called Ishlik with a white top. High-ranking boyars would wear caps with red tops and lower-ranked boyars caps with green tops. While waiting to be appointed, boyars and their sons would wear a form of head covering called kalpak, which looked like a balloon or a pear. They couldn't therefore stop wearing these outfits, except in unofficial settings, at least not until the 1830s. The women, however, appear to have adopted the new fashion with extraordinary ease. As soon as the Russians occupied these parts, the ladies began to imitate the fashion brought over by the Russians. Few people know that there is a sustainable gastronomy day decreed by the United Nations organization and marked on June the 18th in Timisoara, European Capital of Culture 2023. The La Paz program, initiated by the CRIS Association Resource Center for Ethical and Solidarity Initiatives, has been running since 2018 in the context of the city's preparation for the awarding of this title, which aims to capitalize on the gastronomic heritage by observing some specific principles of the slow food movement. In the following minutes, Kalin Kotsoyu will bring you the latest on the aforementioned event. I spoke about this program with Mihaela Vetsan, president of the Creas Association. Taste this heritage is part of the La Paz Slowing Down program included in the European Capital of Culture 2023 program and is the component through which we draw attention to the fact that food is part of our intangible cultural heritage. We have explored this theme in previous editions in different types of activities, 
In 2018, we had a competition of traditional recipes. Then we made some video materials with vloggers regarding traditional recipes from the local area of Banat. Last year, we had an edition that we dedicated to a special social context, that of the war in Ukraine. Borscht was included in the UNESCO heritage as part of the intangible heritage based on a Ukrainian recipe, and we had a series of activities in Timisoara that addressed this topic. In this year, within the Taste as Heritage component, we draw attention to a very important element, namely the impact of food on the environment. Mihaela Betsan, president of the CRIAS Association, provided further detail. We thought of a series of gastronomic workshops in which there were chefs, culinary vloggers, but also people passionate about cooking, mainly with seasonal ingredients and from local sources. So we started in February when we had the root vegetables. They were the main ingredients. We had a vegan workshop as well. The leafy greens in various preparations were in great demand, and we had these workshops during the summer and autumn. Then at the end of the year, we will have an image of a diversity of recipes which we can make at home from ingredients that are specific to that season. The program aims to capitalize on the gastronomic heritage by observing specific principles of the slow food movement, good, clean, ethical, developing responsible consumption skills among young people, promoting sustainable practices for organizing cultural events, encouraging public policies that favor sustainable development models, and a culture of sustainability among people. Mihaila, it's unspecified. There are basically three important elements that we want to highlight this year. Seasonality, the fact that it is important to be aware that vegetables are available in a certain period of the year, and then they should be consumed and not necessarily out of season. The care for ingredients and producers and the fact that we want, through our workshops, to inspire and encourage people to cook more at home, because we know that it is a practice that is increasingly in decline. We cook less and focus more on semi-prepared foods or fast food nowadays. We asked Mihail Avetsan what tastes are associated with Timișoara. We talk mostly about the regional character of the Banat area, which is an area of confluence. And when we approached this element of traditional or specific character, we were more aware that an element of specificity for our area is a more uh, unexpected juxtaposition between sweet and salty, sweet and sour, in Banat, for example, traditionally one would eat roast with cherry compote or plum compote. It is a melange between Serbian, Russian, and Swabian cuisine, including elements from Hungarian cuisine, 
so it is very difficult to say what is specific. But I think that this combination of tastes and unexpected alteration is an element that surprises in the big area of Barnat. And as this year Timishwara was in a continuous celebration, Mihaila Vatsan issued us an invitation. The La Paz program includes an extensive educational program. We are going to schools with a lot of activities. This year we will involve over 650 students with their families and of course for autumn in October. We are preparing the third edition of the La Paz Festival, an artisanal gastronomy festival. When we talk about the future of medicine, we hear terms such as age tech, artificial empathy, cloud computing, machine learning, blockchain, or other innovations in tech in order to better prevent and diagnose disease. Starting from simple accessories by now, such as smart watches or bracelets, people can monitor their health or schedule an appointment with their physician in case the data collected by these devices advises to do so. There is more and more talk about the future in which doctors and patients are connected and major companies are looking into the future of the medical domain. Google already has an automated system for detecting breast cancer, while Microsoft has already got involved in augmented or virtual reality for delivering customized medication for any given patient. The new technologies allow healthcare benefits such as personalized treatment, instant medical data being accessed from large databases able to be accessed by hospitals, physicians or patients, not to mention a revolution in genetics. Practically speaking, all these digital technologies applied in healthcare do one thing. They help us gather data, get medical data from the patient, results from tests or imaging, but also data about the patient's history, such as how many times they were an inpatient, what care they got, or his history. This is medical data acquisition. Then the question becomes, how do we get this data from various sensors, technologies, or portable sensors? How do we save this data? How do we protect them? And how do we do with them? Because we are talking about personal patient data, which we need to secure. So this is the other direction, cyber security. We need to put them into databases to allow interoperability, allowing them to be conveyed between hospitals. And here we come to the idea of standardizing databases and normalizing them. And once we have data that has been acquired, the question is, what do we do with them? How do we analyze them? What information can we glean from this data? How do we use them to be useful for patients and the healthcare system? As you can see, medical data raise a big number of problems and technology can provide solutions. One thing is certain, the medicine of the future will be more and more reliant on AI. And this is very profitable, considering that the medical system was not designed to cope with this great increase in chronic condition, which right now have come to account for 80% of healthcare expenditures. 
Time now for some words and expressions in Romanian in our weekly feature, Romanian Without Tears. Until next time, from me, Daniel Biltz, it's goodbye. Coming up next in the program... Romanian Without Tears. Welcome to another Romanian language lesson. I'm Kalikotsoyu, and since it is still summer weather in Romania, let's go to the park. So let's begin with the basics. Park. Park. Fresh air. Air. Curat. Alleyway. Allee. Trees. Copaci. Grass, yarb, pond, yaz, lake, lac, shrubbery, garduri, v, bench, banca, playground, teren de joaca. Great. And now let's do simple sentences. I would like to go to the park. Aș vrea să merg în park. I need some fresh air. Îmi trebuie niște aer curat. Let's take this alleyway. Hai să o luăm pe această alee. The trees have turned green. Copacii au Înverzit. Don't step on the grass. Nu călca pe iarbă. Let's sit by the pond. Hai să ne așezăm lângă iaz. You can rent boats at the lake in this park. Poți închiria bărci la lacul din park. City Hall has planted new shrubbery. Primăria a plantat garduri vii noi. Let's sit on the bench. Hai să ne așezăm pe bancă. The kids are on the playground. Copiii sunt pe terenul de joacă. Well, that's all for the park today. Until the next time. Look up our feature and keep practicing. So for today, it's goodbye. La revedere. Focus on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Next in this broadcast, it's All That Jazz. Welcome, I'm Mihaela Ignatescu. Today's edition is devoted to the late vocalist Anka Pargel, one of Romania's greatest jazz performers of all time. But let's start with music and listen to her sing Jumping East of Java, accompanied by the Radio Big Band. Asta
Hanka Pargel was born in beautiful Bukovina in northeastern Romania on September 16, 1957. Energy, inner force and of course a spectacular voice were the main traits of this great artist dubbed the fire voice of Romanian jazz. Let's now listen to another beautiful performance by Anka Pargel, the song Our Love Cannot Dawn on lyrics by Elisa Florescu. Tu amas o feito 
Anka Pargel was not only a great singer, but also a pianist, composer and teacher. She was a professor with the Royal Conservatory in Brussels, toured the world alongside wonderful jazz musicians and launched 18 albums. To end this show devoted to the great artist Anka Pargel, here is another tune from her rich repertoire by Gerald Marks and Sima Simons, titled All of Me.
Living Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. In the spotlight. Hello friends and welcome to a fresh installment in our series. I am Vlad Palco and today we're looking at Romania's efforts to join the OECD, a process that picked up speed in 2023 with the organization of the first meeting of the National Committee for Romania's accession to the OECD, chaired by Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu in July, as well as the organization of a special event that we've previously talked about in our programs, the visit of an OECD delegation to Bucharest in May. This time around we're talking about the publication of the Education at a Glance report for 2023, the first report that has a special country note on Romania assessing the Romanian education system. Stay tuned! In an event hosted by the Karol I Central University Library in Bucharest, government officials and representatives of the OECD attended the official launch of the Education at a Glance 2023 report. Attending was a large number of education experts, university rectors, department chairs and other academia. The report was published as a novelty this year, after Romania joined the Indicators on National Education System program in 2023 and, as a result, will be included in each EAG report alongside other OECD members and candidates. In her introductory speech, Corinne Heckman, project manager on behalf of the OECD, pointed out that the launch event is just part of a broader effort to promote and assess Romania's efforts to join the OECD. Today, as I am speaking to you, there are similar launch events in 13 countries with the participation of several education ministers. On the 25th January 2022, the OECD Council decided to open accession discussion with Romania. Becoming, as you know, a member of the OECD is not a simple formality, but is a result of a rigorous review process. To this end, early this year we organized a three days workshop with the Ministry of Education, the Romanian Statistical Institute and other key partners. This workshop allows us to identify existing data which we can build on already, as well as opportunity for further data development. Education at a glance is a collaborative effort of the OECD and its member country. And I would like to thank the Minister and her team for the excellent cooperation over the past month. The data I will present today is a fruit of this joint effort. Thank you very much. You are listening to Radio Romania International. You are back with us in the spotlight on the sidelines of the event in Bucharest. His Excellency Ambassador Luca Niculescu, State Secretary with the Foreign Ministry and the National Coordinator of Romania's bid to join the OECD, 
underlined the importance of Romania being included in this report. Avem de a face într-adevăr cu o premieră pentru România, pentru că este pentru prima dată când România participă. We are indeed dealing with a premiere for Romania. It is the first time Romania takes part in the indicators on national education program of the OECD. Therefore, I can only hail these undertakings that have helped Romania draw closer to the OECD family, which we hope to join soon. To quote famous Romanian historian Nicolae Iorga, education must also represent a horizon, since it is the cornerstone of any nation, and there can be no progress without proper education at national level. In this respect, the OECD is a genuine center of excellence for public policies, advocating the adoption of the best standards, the best practices at global level, which we all hope to aspire. At the same time, the OECD is the main actor on the global stage, monitoring results in the field of education and fostering sustainable development. As you know, joining the OECD is a strategic objective for Romania. It is perhaps the most important objective since our country joined NATO and the European Union. Fortunately, we benefit from trans-party support. Last week, an OECD delegation headed by Deputy Secretary-General Ulrich Knudsen visited Bucharest. Jointly with his staff, he met numerous Bucharest officials and members of the Group of Friendship and Support for Romania's bid to join the organization, and each meeting reasserted the importance of our country joining the OECD. The accession process is very technical and not always easy to lobby for, We have a number of assessments in this phase, and education is one of the sectors currently under scrutiny. We are on the right path, however, and we hope we can carry through this process to the end, Luca Niculescu said. Upon presenting the country note on Romania, Corin Heckman outlined the key characteristics of the Romanian education system. The share of the population in Romania with tertiary qualification is 20%, so it's well below the EU average of 38%. We have 57% of the population with upper secondary education, and we have 23% of the population with below upper secondary education. So here we see that there is some uh, possibility to work on how we can better educate uh, the Romanian population. And again, as it has been said before, when we look at the benefits to have tertiary education, we can see that there is some implication on unemployment rate. So here, the first triangle, it's the unemployment rate with, for people from 25 to 30 years old with below upper secondary education and you see that uh, only 50% of the population are employed with this level of education which is, is uh, below the EU average of 58 and to have the possibility to be employed you need at least upper secondary education 80% of the population in Romania with upper secondary are employed And to, uh, with tertiary education, it increased to 90%. So uh, again, it come back to the remarks that we received just before. Now, looking at early childhood education, is a starting point uh, for the education and 
uh, we uh, have this chart with a lot of information regarding enrollment weight of young people. Uh, you see that Romania is situated on, on the left part of the chart, and we have the, the different information on the enrollment weight at different ages. So we see that we very few uh, uh, children that are going uh, are enrolled in. Um, in education below the age of two, less than 1% compared to 12% on average among EU countries. 15% of them at the age of two are enrolled, 64 at the age of three, 78 at the age of four, and uh, 80, 85 at the age of five. So this chart is working uh, by the enrollment rate at the age of five, and you, so we know that it's uh, already a preoccupation of the ministry to increase enrollment rate of children. We know also when we look at below the age of two that there is also the culture of Romanians that grandparents are taking care of the children, which uh, is not uh, something that happens in other countries. According to the report, Russia's large-scale war of aggression against Ukraine has displaced millions of Ukrainians, many of whom have been received by OECD countries. Enrollment in education is important for refugees not only for their academic performance and future labor market prospects, but also for their social and emotional well-being. In the 2022-2023 school year, 1,700 Ukrainian refugees were integrated in primary schools across Romania and 1,500 in secondary schools. Moreover, with the support of local authorities, Educational hubs have been set up in several schools across the country, allowing Ukrainian displaced children to benefit from educational activities in the Ukrainian language, using the platforms provided by the Ukrainian Ministry of Education. These hubs are opened as a partnership between the local administrations, schools and NGOs. And this has been all in the spotlight today. From your host, Vlad Palku, it's goodbye. Focus on Romania Coming up next on Radio Romania International Simply Folk Welcome to Simply Folk. I invite you to listen to Benone Sinulescu with a song entitled Radu. Văzut la crâșma stanii 
Unde-și beau drumeții banii Și hai duci gologanii La dumami radule măi Unde-și beau drumeții banii Și hai duci gologanii La dumami radule măi Radule, stai, nu mai bea, uite, pote, racolea, măi. Însă Radul n-asculta, pote, rale înconjura, Radul, mami, Radule, măi. Însă Radul n-asculta, pote, rale înconjura, Radul, mami, Radule, Frunzuliță diorea, Șeful poterei striga, măi, Dă-te, Radule, legat, Ca să scapi nevătămat, Radul, mami, Radule, măi, Dă-te, Radule, legat, Ca să scapi nevătămat, Radul, mami, Radule, măi. And with that, Our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro.